Welcome to Chromodiversity, a podcast for clinicians, therapists, and families about common genetic diversity. I'm Elliot Pollack, founder of MyXXY Chromodiversity Foundation, and I'll be your host. This episode features the second part of a conversation with Stephen Mallard from South Africa. Stephen was 17 when he was diagnosed with an extra 47th X chromosome. In the previous episode, he spoke about how he learned about this diagnosis and what it was like growing up as a child. In the second part, you're about to hear, Stephen shares how he became one of the world's first advocates for Kleinfelters, the importance of early diagnosis, and takeaways for other individuals with chromodiversity. The episode ends with a special treat as Stephen answers a surprise, unexpectedly revealing quiz. If you could talk to the child that you were with the benefit of your experience today, what would you say to yourself? Hey kiddo, you're gonna be okay, buddy. You know what, it's gonna be tough, but you know what, at the end of all of this, you're gonna come out to be a much stronger and wiser person. I wish I wish there was somebody at that time saying to me, this will pass, but you know, it's difficult when you're a child to see that going forward. What is it like to live with today on a day-to-day basis? I'm introduced to John and Jack, and a couple of minutes later, I can't remember their names. Or somebody will tell me a story about something that happened yesterday. And, I'll, and I'm interested. It's not that I'm not interested. Yeah. I can't recall that. And then you've got to give me prompts to say, well, car or tree or sky. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Now I can remember. But I can see it from the other side. Because other people don't have what we've got, they don't understand. Some people get short-tempered, and, and often you lose a lot of friends. I've lost a hell of a lot of friends in my life through not having the patience or just seeing you as completely stupid. Because if, you have, if you've got a short-term memory, well, you know what? We can't keep repeating the story. We'd rather that you're not there. Nobody wants to be around a stupid person, or so they, they think that's what it is. They just see you as a complete oddball. Once you make that assumption about somebody, it's very difficult to go back on that after years and years and years. You just leave it. It's been a hard, tough journey. You're the founder of a charity that has helped thousands of people in South Africa and around the world. How did that come about? I probably don't even realize the impact that I've made because I can't see it. In 2014, my brother-in-law gave me a gift of couple of thousand rand, a hundred thousand rand is a gift. He was paying for my brother's daughter's weddings. And he said there was a hundred, well, with a hundred thousand rand. And I was going to go and buy myself a 800 GS BMW motorbike. I said, ah, oh, my dream, this is it. I'm finally going to go and buy that bike. And you know, I can, I can remember driving to BMW and that little inner voice was saying to me, no, you're not going to do this. You need to raise awareness for Kleinfelter syndrome. Take that money, brand your car. My car was definitely, I didn't have the branding I had today. 
I had stickers that were made and I put on the car. And the more I tried to push that thought aside, the more stronger it came. And eventually I thought, okay, leave it. And that's where it started. It's I'd, I'd published a book, so I kind of, in the reverse way, people normally talk about something and then publish a book. And uh, I spoke to somebody, funny enough, in the autism field, and they said to me, join groups. You've got a book behind you, so it makes it a lot easier for you to go forward. There were no support groups like there are today. You know, the Australian support groups didn't even exist. The one guy in America, I think his name is Stefan Schwartz. He, he played, he doesn't realize the, ro the role he played also. And I saw him on Facebook and I saw him going out there and talking about things. It gave me a little bit of encouragement because I didn't want other people to end up like I did. So with me going out there today and talking to people, and I normally try and get a meeting with people because I try and do what doctors should be doing to them. And we'll meet for coffee and I'll say to them, have you been diagnosed? Yes, I have. And, and we'll go through it and I'll say, this is what I'm going to tell you, that you've got this, 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 that. And I'll bring up right at the end. They normally say to me, I'm trying to have children. That's, that's normally how the meeting, they, they open first. And I try and leave that for the last. There's a man in Durban at the moment. His parents called me about a month ago and they said, we don't know what to do about him because he's gone completely. He loses his temper. He's, he's, he's smashed two cars. And it all comes down to that he was married to somebody. They wanted children. They couldn't have children. And it dissolved. And that sadly is often what happens. You know, I, I, I try in a positive way to say, look, try the IVF. Try, try the adoption. There are hundreds of kids out there. You want children so desperately, but often the pressure is not so much with them. Another friend of mine, Kleinfelters, his wife kept pushing, and somebody said they would be a surrogate mother for them. And she said, no, I'm not even interested. So it's often the pressure comes from the woman onto the guys. We can't uh, produce a child for you. It's not going to happen. And inevitably, it's going to cause relationships to break up. That's the sad part. Most people with such differences still today are not diagnosed um, because there has to be a reason for somebody to say, well, we're going to do a genetic test. Um, but in the future, it may be that at birth, for instance, a routine test is done that includes such um, genetic detection. Do you think that would be a good thing? Or I not. wish they would do this. I wish this was a compulsory thing. That How would this make a difference? Because I think um, early diagnosis is, is early intervention. And early intervention, you can set up with a whole communication. Most of us who have been diagnosed in our older years get very angry, very cross. Why didn't the doctor tell us? Why didn't our parents tell us? There's a lot of blame. Who do we blame? We can't blame us because we're born with it. Have this been early intervention? You can do a whole educational thing. You can, one can print booklets about it. That, it makes things so much easier to say to somebody, you've got Kleinfelter syndrome. You can manage it better at an early age.
when you're really 17 or 35, you already have a different, you already got a personality that's growing up with a lot of confusion. You know, in South Africa, whatever is happening here, we still are very blessed with top doctors in this country. There's countries in Africa, there's countries in probably in Asia that, that get diagnosed with this. They don't have a clue. And those kids, there's a man who contacted me out of Algiers. And he said to me, they know, the doctors know nothing about this. Can you imagine his life going forward? You know, so early intervention, without a doubt. What would you say to parents who've just learned that their child or their future potential child has an extra chromosome? You know what, Elliot, it's tricky that one because I've got a mother um, a couple of kilometers away from me. What they said to her, we think your son's got a Klinefelter syndrome. We suggest you abort. Now, to me, there we come back to education. As much as that doctor's seven years or 10 years or whatever their qualifications are, they need to know a lot more about Klinefelter's children. Most Klinefelter's children, we get by. We struggle, but we get by. The people who really need to be educated here are the doctors. When people say, well, what does it do to have an extra chromosome? You've described a number of things, but of course, according to mm. from one individual to another, is quite different, actually, isn't it? The two, the two friends that I, I stay in touch with, they, both of them speak three languages. Both of them speak German, English, Afrikaans, which I can't even speak a second language besides English. In South Africa, you, you, your schooling system is you have to learn Afrikaans and English in order to pass going forward. I failed Afrikaans badly. And to both these guys, well, it obviously didn't apply to their language skills. And funny enough, uh, we talk about um, characteristics. They both have got tons of hair. When they take their shirt off, I think, oh, my God. Like <laughs> I only started developing hair on my chest when I was 55. So there, there's certain characteristics that are there. But then there's other guys, as I say, who can speak those languages. Mm -hmm. They get it like that. Thank you, Stephen. One of your superpowers is creativity. You love drawing, and you're the author of a captivating book called Living With My Ex. Um, as an author, I have a few final surprise questions for you. What is your favorite word? It's probably a swear word. What is your least favorite word? My least favorite word, okay the word uh, intersex. I have a problem with that word. It bothers me. I, I see ourselves as being different, but not intersex because you're not um, sure of your gender. I know exactly where I like women. I enjoy, I enjoy the company of women. So that word, when I read it and I see intersex on the support groups, I normally just go straight past. What turns you on? Books. 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 I love books. Books. I can't get enough information. What sound do you love? You know what sound I like is actually nothing. I've come from the most quiet place. I find there's too much noise around. Sound of running water in rivers is probably one of my best sounds, flowing of water. What sound do you hate? 
I think loud bangs of anything, loud uh, noises like angle grinders going off. Angle grinders is, is a sound I don't enjoy. Your favorite word is a curse word. What is your favorite curse word? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> what profession other than yours would you like to attempt if you could? I would have loved to have studied medicine. I think I would have made a hell of a difference had I, again, had memory to keep. The guy in I've just come back from was studying to be a doctor, and he dropped out in his third or fourth year because of that memory. I would say, though, that there are many doctors in the world, but there are not many people who are chromodiversity advocates or advocates through lived experience for Kleinfelter, and that you may have made a much more significant difference in what you have actually done than if you were simply one more doctor. Yeah, um, thank you. What profession would you like not to participate in? I, I did printing and I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a qualified printer and I hated it with a passion. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Well, he'd probably say to me, you need to stay a little bit longer because you know what? The world is not educated enough. So sorry for you, but you can't come in here just yet. You need to go back. Thank you very much, Stephen. It's been wonderful having you on the show. Your lived experience, I think, is really important to share. And thank you for having shared it for so many years and, and for continuing to do so. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the second part of my conversation with Stephen Mallard. Stephen is the author of a captivating five-star Amazon-rated book called Living With My Ex and the founder of probably the world's first nonprofit dedicated to Kleinfelters. If you're a parent or individual looking for practical information about this common genetic variation, a good place to start is his website, xxy47.co.za. Don't miss our next conversation with another guest who's agreed to share with us their eye-opening lived experience growing up with chromodiversity for the very first time. To help raise awareness, please leave a review or share and have a wonderful day. <laughs>